0: This is Jackets Debrief, a show about the Columbus Blue Jackets, the National Hockey League, and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Hey everyone, welcome to the show this week. Uh, Kind of a little different, no guests this week, but we're just going to have some fun riffing on hockey, drinking some beer, having a good time. So I'm happy to have you along for the ride here today. not a lot of news this week we're all just kind of waiting um i mean there's been reported stories and rumors and whatnot but we don't really have anything concrete um right now from what i understand the board of governors for the nhl's meeting on wednesday that's when they're having their call so that's when we'll know more uh, about when this season's actually going to start the rumors are that guys are being told to get back for training camp january 3rd uh, a lot of players in different cities are already back but We'll get more into the hockey talk here in a second. I'm going to start with the beer of the week. I highly enjoy the beer of the week because it allows me to drink while I do the show. This week's beer is from Millersburg Brewing Company. It is Edgy Elf. I got the 12-ounce can here. We're going to do the pour. Reading the description from their website, Edgy Elf. Once you take a sip, it's sure to keep you warm on the coldest of nights with a cinnamon sugar rim and cinnamon spice finish you might find you'll feel a little edgy too. These beers promise a lot, folks. That's what I've found from craft brewers. They love to have big fun big, fun descriptions there of what's going on. Okay, there's the cinnamon. Took a couple of, of, of sniffs there to get the cinnamon in. I now realize pouring things over a computer when you're recording stuff is probably not the best idea I've ever had, but we're doing it. Uh, we're in the midst of just a lot of bad ideas, but they haven't led me wrong so far. That I like that color a lot. That is a wonderful color for a beer. Oh, that's great. Got some nice fizziness going on. Not a whole lot of head, but then again, I pour these so I don't get a whole lot of head because it doesn't taste good at all. So let's see what happens here. Oh, you really get the cinnamon when it's open. Yeah, uh maybe it'll grow on me through the show, but uh yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh whew, what is man you have so much of the cinnamon especially in the aftertaste that uh it's just not yeah it's not uh, uh, it's not what i would recommend there um at all really it's just not that just not what i would i would recommend i'll say that for for certain right now um man that cinnamon flavor is really strong and i'm just i feel edgy but uh it's not a good thing so anyway jumping into the hockey talk for this week um a story i haven't talked a lot about but i'm excited to is the uh, max patch rumors out of vegas um because with max patch i mean talking about him first of all as far as, as as a player goes he's really good um for those of you who don't know, the Vegas Golden Knights have gotten themselves into all sorts of salary cap problems here. Right now, they are technically over the cap by just about a million dollars. So they have to make some moves. Uh, the big thing was this offseason, they made the big move signing Alex Petrangelo to a big deal uh, with $8.8 million a year. And that was after signing Robin Leonard to the 5 by 5 uh, year or so. it it, he's they've got a lot they need to free up cap space and it seems that they think max patch might be the way to go on that now max patch is a very good hockey player if you look at the stats if you're watching the video version of the show uh, again available on youtube or we do these live as well um he is a i mean he's a guy who last season even in that shortened uh Season there got in thirty two goals, uh, I mean every year the guys in the, the forty point club. He's a great winger. Um, His possession metrics are strong, as far as you know his Corsi, all that kind of stuff. Uh, he he's a really good player, and he and here's the thing where I think Yarmo Kekalina is going to be interested in him, and there have been reports that they are, the Blue Jackets are interested in Max Pacioretty. He's a left winger. So he fits kind of a position of need for Columbus and he's still got three years left of team control and he's 32. So if you can get the last you know three good years out of patch already, honestly two good years and then you trade it and then he's done because that's the thing when you trade for this contract, you're trading for it knowing you're not gonna sign him again. You're gonna get those three years and you're done. I mean unless he's coming in at a super value deal, or he maintains quality in a way that nobody really thought he was going to. When you get patch ready, that's it. Uh, you're getting him for those three years. The question is, what would the Blue Jackets have to give up? Now, the good news is, the Blue Jackets, if they want to make a deal that's salary out, salary in, they could do that. They could go, uh, you know, we could trade somebody, if we think there's somebody on the, on the books who's just not, there. I mean, it, you could do that and, and free up this space. Um, honestly, one that just came to me. So Max Pacioretty, Um, he's got a contract worth $7 million. The Blue Jackets, now they would have to send something else because the, 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 the Golden Knights aren't just going to trade him for nothing. That's not how this is going to happen. They're going to trade him saying, hey, we need... Honestly, it's the, what they really need is the space. Uh, I fully expect what they'll do is because they've been trading uh, prospects to get, like they traded Nick Suzuki, uh, one of their highest rated prospects when they got uh to begin with. My guess is they're going to want prospects or picks back. But Vegas is not a team that's cash poor. Um, so I could see the Blue Jackets saying, hey, here we go. Let's do this. Let's send you, um, honestly, for a player as good as Patcharetti, I would probably go a first, a second, some kind of prospect. Um, are you going to give him Foodie? Maybe, maybe not. But I mean, the idea behind getting Liam Foodie is Liam Foodie is going to be a good player. Uh, but if but if he shoots left, I mean, you're. I mean, the thing is, yes, Foodie would be on this team this year. But if you're replacing him with Match Patzeretti for three seasons, you're very much signaling a desire that you want to win now, and that that's what this would be for the Blue Jackets if they go with Patzeretti, is to go to move now, and I can see them trading uh, a couple of player, you know, a couple of picks for that. I would look at working in the deal, um, Brandon Dubinsky or part of Brandon Dubinsky's contract. Because what gold, the Golden Knights can do, since they aren't cash, since they, if they don't have an issue with, with cash, they can trade for Brandon Dubinsky. So they save a million, 1.25 on, on salary uh, as far as the cap goes. But Dubinsky also gives you where you can use him on your uh, long term injured reserve. So all of a sudden, Vegas goes from saying, okay, well, let's get a couple of firsts. And yeah, you know, we'll take this player back from Columbus because Columbus wants a little bit of cap space. They can put him on LTIR. So now Vegas has all the cap space they need, uh, considering they freed up the the million they needed to get under the cap. And then once the season starts, they have they have what five and a half, six million more dollars available to them. So that's that would be a good move for them in my mind. I think it's not a bad way to go if you're the Vegas Golden Knights. I think the Blue Jackets. I'm to the point where if you want to trade a few futures to get a somebody, especially somebody for three years, I mean, this isn't a rental, which is where the Max Pacioretty deal would be bad, would be good for the Blue Jackets. You're getting three years of a good player who's going to fill any of that left wing. So I'm, I'm pretty happy about that potential. I think it's interesting uh, as far as how they could go. Now, next story I wanted to get to here, uh, we've got all sorts of talk about these new divisions. Um, and and again, this is still kind of up in the air. Uh, as far as we don't exactly know, these are still subject to change by the time we get to the regular season there. Um, or by the time we get to the actual the actual season on how, how this is all going to happen. Or before we get a, a vote of the NHL Board of Governors. But the four divisions, as they're looking to line up currently, you'd have an East, which is Boston, Buffalo, New Jersey, The Islanders, the Rangers, uh, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, and Washington. A South Central, I guess you would call it. That is Carolina, Chicago, Columbus, Detroit, Florida, Minnesota, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. A West Division of Anaheim, Arizona, Colorado, Dallas, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, San Jose, and St. Louis. And then the All-Canadian Division, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. Something that I have found to be an interesting question in all this is, what teams are better off because of this uh, for, for one season and what teams are worse off. First of all, the team that everybody cares about that's listening to the show, the blue jackets, Uh, the blue jackets in my mind are better off because for the most part, you're thinking, Hey, you know, you're essentially trading teams out. Well, we'll still got Carolina, but that's the only team we're carrying over. Okay. So what's one team we've lost. We've lost New Jersey. Well, New Jersey, I mean, if you think about you know, who was the worst team last year in the division versus the worst team this year, or the worst team last year in our division versus the last worst team that we're going to get in this new division, I'd trade Detroit for New Jersey. Um, will Detroit be better this year than last year? Yes. Will they be anywhere near a playoff team? No. So I think they're better off there um, when it comes to the Islanders. I mean, the, the good way to talk about this is, other than Tampa Bay, I mean, Carolina is good, but I think the Blue Jackets, when healthy, can be as good as Carolina, and are as good as Carolina. So, I'm of the opinion that the Blue Jackets can play for second in this division, and their top competition is Carolina, Nashville. I think they're I think they're still a lot better than Florida. They're definitely better than Chicago. They're definitely better than Detroit. I think they're better than Minnesota, who's kind of in a rebuild. I think they're better than Nashville, although Nashville will be kind of fun. You could almost see a one-year kind of pseudo-rivalry because there have been trades between those teams. I'm interested in Columbus being in the same division as Tampa. One of the estimates was that teams would play every other team in the division seven times this season to play that to kind of make up their schedule uh, of 56 games, which I think, and that works out all right. Well, it wouldn't work out quite right because if you only played them seven times, you have seven other teams in your division, so that gets you to forty nine games. So it has to be even more than that. But the Blue Jackets in Tampa, kind of a budding rivalry in a lot of ways. I mean, at this point, their playoff series have both been memorable. Uh, obviously, the first one was the sweep the Blue Jackets did of the, of the Lightning. The second one during the bubble during the bubble hockey there. Obviously, we had the the, the five overtime game that was just insanity. Tampa won it that series four one. So I, I think. I think something going between Tampa and Columbus would be fun. Um, that being said, Carolina is in a better position this in this division. I, I think so because uh, again, they're you're not having to play Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington, and the Islanders, and the Rangers who are up and coming. I mean, you're not having to play them either. So you're, I think you're trading off for for worse for te- for, for teams that aren't as good. Um, I think that all those teams in the Eastern division, their life got a lot harder. Um, Because if you're Boston, you're like, hey, we get to play Florida a couple times a year. We get to play Ottawa a few times a year. We get to play these other teams a few times a year. You're trading out all your easies. I mean, in, in that East, other than Buffalo and I guess New Jersey, everyone else could give you a fight to get into the playoffs. So that's going to be, that whole division, there's not a team in that division that things didn't get harder for because it was kind of a consolidation. I mean, essentially it was the Metro and then the substitute out Columbus, Carolina, and put in Boston and Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo's a, a, a step down in competition for either Columbus or, Bo- or Carolina, but Boston is probably a step up. Um, so I I think everything got... If you're in that Eastern Division, everything got harder. If you're in that Central, like Tampa, I think Tampa's just licking their chops at what they've got coming up. If you're in the East or if you're in the Western Division, I mean, you're trading out good teams for good teams. Um, Because all of a sudden, you know, you got San Jose and LA and Arizona or Anaheim. They're now having to deal with Colorado, Dallas, uh, St. Louis, three really good teams, three teams that are better than them. Who'd they trade out? Calgary, Vancouver, and Edmonton. So you traded three really good teams for three good teams. So I, I don't, I don't think there's a big loss there. If you're in Canada, I think life got harder because there's really, in my mind, only one team in that that if they don't that if they were making the playoffs would be a, a surprise, and that's Ottawa. So I think what we're looking at there is. A tougher division. Um, so, if you were going to ask me what we're looking at here, as far as everything goes in the East, things got harder for you if you're a team that's going to be in this year's Eastern Conference, Eastern Division. If you're in that Central, and you are, you know, the uh, what I think are the top three teams in there: Tampa, Tampa, Tampa. Gee whiz, somebody help me! Tampa, Carolina, uh, and Columbus. I think life got a little bit easier. If you're other teams, I mean, you know, I mean, if you're Chicago, the idea of saying, "Okay, well, you know, we get Detroit back, and we're not playing St. Louis this year," that's that's going to help you out as far as record wise. Maybe, I mean, maybe one of those teams make the playoffs, but I, I mean, if I was making the guess today, who makes the playoffs out of the Central? It's Tampa Bay, Carolina, Chicago, uh, Nashville. So that's what I'd say there. If you're in the new West, I think you're kind of same old same old to an extent i mean obviously it's different teams but i think life's still going to be hard for you if you're not really good in the west and then obviously canada is just harder as well for those teams because you don't have uh rebuilding teams anymore that you're playing against so that would be my take on those on those divisions so that's where we're at there uh one other story i want to talk about because it just well, first of all, I mean, getting into the actual news of where we're at with with the next season starting, we're at a place of, we're waiting on on this Board of Governors meeting to approve what's going on. It looks like the players won in their game of chicken with the owners uh, as far as making sure there are no concessions because there aren't going to be any, con- any concessions for this season. So we're actually, we're getting a season that looks like, which is good. Uh, this is all obviously pending what COVID actually does because... If there's outbreaks and things get shut down, or team, whole teams get shut down, you know, obviously that I, we can't plan on right now. So we'll see what happens. Um, I did, I did see that the in the ECHL, the uh, Cincinnati Cyclones, they've shut down for the season. Uh, they're just not playing, which which stinks for that fan base. But at the same time, <clears throat> we talk about how the NHL is reliant on gate revenue that's infinitely more for something like the ECHL I mean nobody has a the ECHL does not have TV deals if they do they've got like you know that one local station who maybe they pay for airtime and then they try and sell the commercials or something it's just not not a business model that's going to survive something like this when you can't have spectators uh, I saw rumors saying that this may be the end of the team I don't know if that's true or at all that just seems like rumors my guess is the way the ECHL is structured if they have to shut down for a season, they're not paying out a bunch of people. They'll probably have to lay some people off, which was which bad. But I mean, if you don't have any money coming in, I mean, it's not like ECHL teams are, are just reeking in the cat, raking in the cash or anything. So, so we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe they'll get a similar situation what happened with the, I think it was the Jacksonville ever, ever blades or something. I think Tim Tebow and a few other people got together and bought that team in the ECHL. Maybe something like that happens for Cincinnati. Who knows? But maybe everything's just fine there, and it's just going to be uh, a season without hockey down there in the Natty. Last story I wanted to discuss, and it's one that, as a Blue Jackets fan, I found infinitely hilarious. Because a few weeks back, we talked about Dom Luscian of the Athletic did his fan confidence rankings when it came to front office and ownership. Well, the, NA, the uh, and this happened back on November 30th, so it's been a couple of weeks. But NBC Sports. They're, they're man, man. They're Adam Gretz. NHL power rankings, ranking the NHL general managers. Where do you guys think Yarmo ended up on this list? Because there's the top, the elites. He wasn't there. That takes us one through five. Established names and strong track records. Starts with Lou Lamarillo at six, goes down to Brian McClellan at the Washington Capitals at nine. Then we get to definitely above average. We start with Kelly McCrimmon of the, of the Vegas Golden Knights. Nope, that gets to 13. Middle ground. Jeff Gordon of New York Rangers is, is number 14 there at middle ground. Last one in that group is 22 at Kevin Shovel Dayoff. There's Jarmo Kekalainen, 19th. 19th. I'm sorry, that's silly to me. Um because you talk about general managers. And and I get it that Yarmo doesn't have a ton of success at this point. Granted, he had to completely rebuild this franchise. But essentially this is saying that Mark Bergervan is better than than Yarmo line, in which I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't see. Um, the GM of the Los Angeles Kings, who, while he may be good, I mean, if the, if the knock on your Kalainen is you haven't done anything yet, all you, all, all the Kings have done is start tearing things down and trying to make trades. So that one surprises me. Jeff Gordon, He, if it wasn't for the Panarin deal and the number one pick they got this year, both, I would say, are a bit of luck when it comes to what Gordon's job has done. Because let's be clear here. It's not like the GM of the New York Rangers did some amazing sales pitch to Artemi Panarin, and that's why he went there. Artemi Panarin was always going to New York City. He wanted to go to a big city. That's what he wanted to do. And then they get the number one overall pick by the luck of a dang lottery ball. I mean, of course. Of course, they're, they look, oh, oh, he's 14. He's, he's real good there. Ken Holland, I don't know how you say Ken Holland's on this list. I mean, this the, the end of his Detroit tenure was not good, but I like his start in Edmonton as he attempts to clean up Peter Chiarelli's mess. This offseason has been especially productive with the cheap additions of Tyson Berry, Kyle Turris, and Dominic Cahoon. Most of the team that's done anything is the team that was there when he got there. He traded away a bunch of second-round picks for players that he didn't even bother keeping when it came to Andreas South in the CU, and um, and uh, Mike Green. Of course, I think Mike Green retired. But either way, traded a bunch of second-round picks, so he had nothing to show for it. So that doesn't make sense to me. Um, Kyle Dubas. This this one I find interesting. The most polarizing general management hockey, mainly due to his perception within the insane hellscape that is Toronto hockey, the Toronto hockey scene. Overall, I like the moves he makes. He has a plan, he sticks to it, and he does not let outside voices dictate his path. The lack of postseason success combined with Lemirello's success in New York has put a massive target on his back. Winning in the playoffs will change that. Sometimes that requires forces beyond the general manager's control. That exact paragraph, with the exception of saying they're polarizing and talking about Toronto hockey scene, could be said about Jarmo Kekalainen. The lack of postseason success, has put a massive target on his back. Winning in the playoffs will change that. Sometimes that requires forces beyond the general manager's control. He's won more in the postseason than, than Dubas and the Leafs have. I mean, let, let's be clear. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying any of these guys are bad. I just find the power ranking of it to be arbitrary and strange and probably based on just overall media perceptions, but a bit of it's garbage. Um, the Jim Rutherford won at eight is hilarious. That one's hilarious. That one's ridiculously bad. In terms of entertainment value, He is in the class all by himself because he never stops trading people. He's won three Stanley Cups with two different organizations, and that commands respect. There have been a lot of home runs with Pittsburgh in terms of his roster moves. He also had some massive swings and misses. The latter has happened far more frequently the past few years and might close their window faster than it should. Jim Rutherford inherited something that was ready to continue a dynasty. And yeah, and, and the thing is, yes, they've won cups, but it's not anything he did. It's hanging on to what the pink ones had. Honestly, the one they had against Nashville, they were kind of lucky in that one. They just happened. They, they got puck luck in that series. They had a better shooting percentage. Now, some of that is they have talent that has a better shooting percentage, but I remember Nashville pretty much dominated in that series rutherford at eight is silly to me that doesn't make any sense and i and i guess he's including yeah combination of career achievements so i guess that's what gets him that high when i think of a power rankings i think of who do i want in terms of in front of my office right now who do i want running things right at this moment um some of these high up guys i could definitely see joe Sakik, steve yeiserman those guys, I think, are hard not to say yes, that's who I want um, but some of these just seem kind of arbitrary and strange to me, so i I don't get that I think Yarmo again, it's just the Columbus thing, oh, you're Columbus, nobody has strong feelings one way or another, so that's that is what it is, although I will say one one group that now has very strong feelings about Columbus is Seattle soccer fans, which i <laughs> I find to be fun because you know what? I I want Columbus to be. I think it'll be better when the Blue Jackets are hated a little bit because that'll mean they're good um, right now. There's still this, just this sense of. Uh, of, of not really liking or hating them. Um, and, and I think you want to start beating some teams. So teams don't like you anymore. So that's where I'm at. That's where I, I would hope to see. So. You know what? Thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you like the show, like it, rate it, however, whatever you're looking at there. Um, thank you very much for watching, listening, whatever it is you're doing, and go Jackets. Please subscribe to the show, follow us on Twitter at Jackets JacketsDebrief, and thank you for listening.